Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. 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 This is Scorpio Sky, and you are listening to the Keeping It Strong Style Podcast, and it is the best. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your host, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here Joined by the young boy Josh Smith On today's show we'll be covering The last few nights of Fantastica Mania Answering your questions And covering all the latest news In the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling You can support our show by subscribing To the Social Suplex Podcast Network On the podcast app of your choice And leaving a rating and review You can also get all the podcasts and columns at socialsuplex.com. Go to socialsuplex.com slash subscribe. It's time to get all the podcasts and columns delivered directly to your email inbox. Also, make sure you check out our friends at powerslam.tv. Use the code socialsuplex and you'll get a free month of over 4,000 hours of wrestling from independent companies across the world. And also, make sure you check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, prowrestlingtees.com slash social suplex. Right now, we have the official Social Suplex Podcast Network shirt there. And also, fresh off the press, we have the first Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt in the Social Suplex store. So go ahead and check that out. There is a sale coming up this weekend for the Royal Rumble. You get 15% off your t-shirts. So go ahead and grab you a Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt this weekend. Use the promo code RUMBLE. Uh, you get 15% off your order. And support us, man. Support that uh, Keeping a Strong Style brand and Social Suplex. I love that, Jeremy. I love that you were so assumptive in the way that you tell people you say use our promo code buy our shirt <laughs> support us like we're not asking b we're not asking we're telling yes go out and do it yes do it right now man y'all our our logo is awesome it looks great on the shirt i i do really like our logo like we were actually uh kind of discussing shirt options and what we we're going to do with the store and um i'm not gonna lie like jeremy kind of just took the initiative and like he's like all right i'm doing it store's <laughs> up and i was a little bit hesitant because i was like well what are we what are we going to put in there and he's like we're gonna put our logo and i was like but is that really what we want to do because like i don't think about 
like our logo every day or whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. But then like when you show me the shirt, I was like, oh wow. <laughs> I was like, I forgot that like Ferg has hooked us up with like a dope like show yeah, logo. I, yeah, shout out to Mike Ferg, man. This guy, he's been doing all the graphics for Social Suplex. Yeah. He's been doing a phenomenal job. He just whipped out something new for us that uh, something that's going to be debuting on the network, uh, I believe, later this week. Uh, stay tuned. Oh, it's going to be this week. Yeah. Yeah. So something big is on the horizon. Something yeah. big, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. So, yeah, shout out to Mike Ferg, man. This guy just is killing it, man. For all, and, you know, I don't I don't talk to Mike on, on a daily basis or anything like that, man. So. No, no, no. I don't think Mike exists. <laughs> like I think like it's some sort of like magic that you got going because uh, I'll just tell Jeremy like what we want or Jeremy will like be like this is what I'm thinking of getting and then all of a sudden like he comes back we have it and I'm like where did that come from bro and he's like Ferg bro and I'm like this man is a, a wizard he is man you know give him a follow on Twitter at Sir Mike Fergus that's F E R J U S yeah, man. Give him a follow. Tell him about the great work that he's doing out here. I, I see other people's logos and other people's, like, work on, on, like, you know, Twitter or, like, Instagram. And I just think, like, man, Mike does way better work than a lot of these guys. Yeah, dude. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, man's talented, man. But, yeah, here's the thing, guys. If you a few weeks ago we had people t- giving us ideas for shirts and ideas for designs and you know here's the thing it's the first time we've opened up the store we have a limited amount of t-shirt designs that we can start off with we got to do at least what 21 20 I think 25 24 25 okay so once we hit like 25 shirt sales which I think is going to be easy like trust me these shirts they are incredible quality. If you've ever ordered anything from Pro Wrestling Tees, they do impeccable work. Everything's made to order, custom. You know, they'll they'll they have a shirt size uh, chart there for you. And I mean, it's only for the low low price of twenty dollars right. plus. When you factor in the fifteen percent that's going to be coming off the top, I mean, this thing's a steal. I don't even know how much money we're gonna make off this. <laughs> like, we're basically getting hosed by Pro Wrestling Tees, but we're doing it at that low rate so that you guys can support us, support the freaking logo, keeping it strong style. Our logo is dope. And then guess what, guys? Once we hit the 25, then the floodgates are open. open. All your great design ideas will be whipped up. We'll put it up there. The young boy kimono will be on the horizon. (laughs) Oh, man. Young boy uh, takes Tampa. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah, man. So, check that out, guys. ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. But let's uh, jump into this fantastic mania. Yeah, dude. I don't think that music slaps. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's like it's the one opening that every like most shows like once I see the the opening for like you know Power Struggle or like you know re, like New Beginning, you see it one time you're like oh man they do such good work, but then I always skip through it. Right, like after like the fifth night of Road to New Beginning, you're like, okay, I know what views are setting up. It's the same music, it's the same video. I'm gonna fast forward ahead and get to the matches. Bro, forget that. I do it after the second night. I see it the first time, and I'm like, okay, that was great. But not with Fantastic Mania. Dude, Fantastic Mania. I watch it every time. And then Christico, <laughs> Mystico, <laughs> Atlantis Junior. Oh yeah, yeah, dude. Ultimo Guerrero. 
Yes, I yeah, love it, dude. dude. Yeah, I get so hyped for the Fantastica Mania. I intro. love it, bro. I love it so much. Yeah, it's like it's one of my favorite parts of like. I know, like Rich loves the like the like Fantastica Mania music. He's like, yeah. yo, I slap so hard. Yeah, yeah. We should get <laughs> Rich needs to make like a sample beat somehow out of the Fantastica Mania. Speaking of like slapping music, like how about the other week when we closed, or was that last week? We closed with Ghetto uh, Strong Style. With my MVP's New Japan <laughs> theme song, Ghetto Strong Style. Ghetto Strong Style. Yo, he needs to do something with that song because that thing is freaking hard. <laughs> yes. Oh my god. I can't believe a song called Ghetto Strong Style actually exists. Hilarious. Yeah, that's, yeah. Oh, my uh, God. But, yeah, so it's Fantastica Mania. We had uh, four nights that have aired since the last time we recorded. Uh, we're not going to, you know, go match by match and, you know, give our in-depth Mike Tanay, um, you know, analysis on all these things. Bump that. Forget Mike Tanay. It's all about Chris Charlton now, baby. <laughs> Uh, we're going to cover some of the themes throughout the night, some of the highlights, um, some of the things that you guys uh, should watch, some stories. Because, you know, a lot of people, they, they kind of brush um, Fantastica Mania off and saying it's not canon. Well, there were some canon things that happened throughout this tour to help kind of set up the uh, new beginning matches. So we'll um, cover that. Uh, I, I would put it like this. Um it's very similar to New Beginning, or I'm sorry, not New Beginning, to Road 2 shows. Um, if you don't watch the Road 2 shows and you just watch the big events, you know, like let's say just the three New, Be- New Beginning shows and you don't watch the, the Road 2 shows, you're probably fine. You're probably fine. You're probably going to be able to get the gist of most of the storylines. Um, kind of like how I don't watch WWE at all during the week, but then like I can just watch the video packages and then pretty much that's all you need for the pay-per-views, literally you're caught up. Mm-hmm. Um, similar idea. So like, and that was kind of a dig at WWE if you if you didn't catch it. <laughs> but um, no, but seriously, if you're watching the big shows, you're fine. But with that being said, when you are truly a New Japan fan and you're truly a fan of the product, when you watch those Road 2 shows or you watch Fantastica Mania, you kind of get rewarded for it. There are little, like, nuggets and little, little threads. Yeah, little breadcrumbs. Little breadcrumb, breadcrumbs. There's little... They give us a little a little taste. A little taste. A little taste. You know what I'm saying? So that's always something that's kind of cool. And like you said, like, um, you know, we're going to talk about some of the stuff. Obviously, we'll, we'll be talking about, you know, Ishimori and Taguchi, and that's a, a feud that we're leading into. Here's my one thing. Um, we have a, there's so many people out there who don't follow New Japan who are always telling me they don't have stories. They don't have storylines. I like my wrestling to have storylines. And it's like we probably have a lot of listeners who are new to the product from watching uh, you know, Wrestle Kingdom. Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, Wrestle King our Wrestle Kingdom episode the biggest uh the most downloaded episode of Keeping It Strong yeah, thank Style. thank you guys. Thank Dude, you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so I know we have a lot of new listeners coming in from that. Yeah, so there's there's people who, you know, criticize New Japan. They're like, oh, there's no stories. But I'm like, uh, there actually clearly is. It's just put in a format that many Western and foreign viewers are not used to. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like, um, how could there not be stories when I'm getting this back behind the scenes and in-ring story between Taguchi and Ishimori or, you know, Rapongi 3K and LIJ. It's, it's it's right there in front of you. You just got to put in the time and effort to actually watch, watch the, the shows. Product. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of hard to say, oh, they don't tell stories when you're not watching everything. Yeah, they act like, uh, what, they act like this is like St. Louis, you know, back in the day. <laughs> uh, who, who's the guy that just passed away from, from St. Louis? 
Metzik. Oh yeah, uh, the Larry Larry Metzik. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like that was like a true like sports oriented like product or like '90s All Japan. You know what I mean? Like really no stories. But when people are like, New Japan doesn't have stories. I'm like, no, they don't have talking segments. You know what I mean? Right. They don't have backstage promos. Which they, they do have the, the, the backstage promos. I know you've been doing a better job than I have of oh, watching. I've watched all of them this watching year. Watching all of them. You watch those backstage promos. Those, those, those are your promos. They they cut promos that um, lead into the stories and develop on for the tour. Right. Yep. Um, and you also get like in-ring promos and every now and again you'll get you know, uh, like a run-in or something of that nature, or you know, what what am I thinking of? What's that called? Like someone gets jumped. In. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. So I mean, that stuff happens, but people act like they're like, oh no, it's all it's just all sports centric. It's like no, it's it's sports based, but it's there for you. And so yeah, I think that these tours, um, even though they're not canon. There was a lot of really good stories on the actual tour themselves that are self-contained that might only affect, say, CMLL. Mm-hmm. But then there was also crossover into the New Japan stories, and then the action was just really fantastic. I mean, Fantasticamania. I mean, yeah. It, I, I will say, man, you know, we were a little bit down on the first night. Well, because it sucked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but these last uh, four nights, man, I thought they were really good. There was a lot of gems on here, a lot of great. If you're a fan of high fly and action and I know a lot of you guys are, you know, uh, have been losing your minds over uh, Rey Mysterio <laughs> and Andrade. And I know I've, I've been hearing they had an awesome two out of three falls tonight. Um, but if you love that, that you think that's great? Did Andrade sweep him? Uh, no, I believe, I think Samoa Joe caught the DQ for the last fall, something like that. Oh. Uh, but um, if you're a fan of, like, Lucha, like what Mysterio and Andrade did, like, a lot of the matches on this tour equal that or better, in my opinion. As far as, like, pure Lucha Libre style, And just the the dives and the high flying that they're doing in there. Um, But, yeah, so let's start coming some of these, um, the stories and some of the the kind of things that, kind of the highlights that happened throughout the tour. Um, So we talk about, you know, the new beginning. Um, Taiji Ishimori is going to be defending that IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship against Risuke Taguchi. Um, These two guys were in a lot of multi-man matches throughout this tour to help set up that feud. Um, And, you know, um, I think for the majority of it, you had um, kind of Taguchi kind of being the goofy, you know, during Fantastic Mania, he comes out with like the the uh, King Tut um, kind of gear and mask, um, and he's kind of being goofy. There were some instances in some of the later matches where we kind of got big match to Gucci, and he's busting out the planchas, he's busting out the ankle lock, um, he's he's looking like a serious uh, title contender. But ultimately, I felt like. Um, Taiji Ishimori was the one that was looking strong through all all of this. Yeah, so, I mean, on the 16th, the 18th, and the 20th, the opening match, they all revolved around the feud between Taguchi and Taiji Ishimori. So, I mean, that that, that pretty much was the opening match throughout the tour. Uh, several fun um, tag matches. Nothing that would blow you away. I wouldn't give a recommend to any of the matches, but as far as, like, the ongoing story, it was kind of interesting just, like, Taguchi sort of still kind of trying to attack the ankle of uh, Taiji Ishimori, so that's like an ongoing thing, but uh, it was funny to kind of see Gato and Ishimori just like breaking out all of their healdom. Uh, they kept stealing the mask off of Taguchi. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny, you know, they're trying to play it off as a big deal. Obviously, you know, for Luchador, it's a big deal if you haven't officially lost your mask to be unmasked in the middle of the match. 
But uh, yeah, pulling off the mask and like Taguchi selling it like it was a big deal. Taguchi had teamed um, on one of the earlier nights, the first night of the tour that we covered the other week. He had teamed with Tiger Mask, I believe that was on the 11th. Mm-hmm. And during the backstage comments, um, <laughs> Tiger Mask was like, I don't know who this man is that I was teaming with. He was like, I know that he got his mask stolen, and that is a shame, and it's a dishonor, but he, luckily he was still able to conceal his identity. So I I didn't get a good look. I'm not sure who he is, but you might want to talk to him. And, it, like, if you guys don't don't understand, like, Taguchi's mask literally only covers his eyes, and it's made out of, like, cardboard. Right. It's so, like, like, super cheap and flimsy. So it's, like, such a, like... And, yeah, it was really funny just every time he, he lost his mask, seeing, like, the young boys, like, jump on him and try to cover him and him, like, do the freak out like he's a, a real luchador. It's just really comical stuff. But, um, you know, it kind of just ended up being almost every night to, to Gucci um, getting jumped or getting beat, beat down by uh, Ishimori. I think where a lot of the... Um, <laughs> I think where a lot of the comedy came in was more like the backstage promos. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, um, Taguchi, to kind of further their feud, he had mentioned that Ishimori used to be part of like the Sailor Boys or whatever. Yeah, like a J-pop, like boys idol sort of like uh, singing group that was also like his where he broke into wrestling. I, I, I'm guessing it's sort of like the three count gimmick, you know? Yeah. And yeah, they were called the Sailor Boys. And he was like, many fans don't remember this. He was like, but you're always saying it's reborn. He's like, what needs to be reborn is the Sailor Boys. <laughs> <laughs> He's oh, like, man. that's what needs to be reborn. He's like, He's like, any of you younger fans who don't know what I'm talking about, just Google it. Yeah, dude. Gucci is hilarious. <laughs> And then also I saw the backstage comments from uh, Ishimori where yeah. he's like, I, I thought he was just an ass, like an ass wrestler, but he's actually like has some skill. Yeah, he's like, he's quite skilled. He's a, he's a scary guy, but he's like, because you don't expect for him to actually have talent behind the gimmicks. But um, so, I mean, that was kind of an ongoing thing. Nothing great there. They, they did a good job making uh, Ishimori look strong pretty much through most of that. Yeah, uh, Taiji's team pretty much won majority of those. There was one night where Taguchi's team won, but Taguchi didn't get the pinfall. Um, it was um, I think Aouda's on his team. So then um, aside from that, I guess the next feud we probably should talk about, because this kind of was usually like around the second or third match of the night, we had um, some sort of combination of LIJ, Bushi, and Shingo either in straight up tag matches or either like six man or eight man. Sometimes they'd be teaming with you know, Naito and um, Terrible or or some combination of them. But um, a lot of their efforts were focused on these very mysterious uh, (laughs) luchadors, Fujin and Raijin. Yeah. um, Yeah, I don't know where these guys have come from. Yeah, they're mysterious. (laughs) No, no, no. So Fujin and Raijin are essentially the characters or the gimmicks that... um, Rapongi 3K had when they were in Mexico. The only thing that's strange about it is they never had masks when they were in CMLL. Mm. So it's kind of like a retroactive, like they're like. They were like, we wanted masks. They, yeah. they said no. <laughs> but now we're, we're having a mask. <laughs> but it, it was funny because, like, Bushi and Shingo, like, every night were, like, literally on the mic being like, we know it's show, show and yo. Like, yeah. what are you guys doing? Right. And, like, Shingo was not with the smoke at all. Like, he was getting pissed about it backstage. <laughs> and he was talking about how, like, they're treating Fantastic Mania like it's a game. And he's like, I'm not here to play a game. Like, <laughs> so, uh, but, um, I mean, what do you think of Fujin and Raijin? Yeah, I mean, I thought they were good. Obviously, uh, so 
Ryzen was the orange mask that was show. Uh, Fujin was the green mask that was yo. Uh, you know. Yes. Fujin is the god of wind. Ryzen is the god of thunder, thunder yeah. or lightning. Lightning. One, one, of, the, one of those. One of those. Gimmicks. I was. I. I can always remember because Ryzen rhymes with Raiden. Mm, from Mortal, Mortal Kombat. Kombat, yeah. That's how I remember. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is probably through gay. These guys are great. I mean, them and uh, against Lij is a good thing. Um, I was surprised here on the sixteenth uh, the that they beat uh, Shingo and Bushi. Uh, so you gotta think that a future tag title shot is coming down the line for Punky 3K. Yeah, it was interesting because it was a straight up tag match, just two on two. So it mm-hmm. wasn't even a multi man, and they they got a pinfall over Bushi. Um, but you gotta wonder: is this some sort of? Is it considered canon or is it not canon? Because they're technically not showing yo. They're technically right. Fujin and Raijin. Right. It's kind of one of those deals like when like Edge and Christian were the conquistadors <laughs> and like won the belts and stuff like. And then the Hardys were the conquistadors, but uh, but they continued rivaling. So we had um, they did end up getting unmasked yeah, on the last night. Yeah. Like Lij like had like jumped them after the match on the twentieth and like pulled their mask off. But then on the 21st, they came back as just Show and Yo. Yeah. Which, remember last year, they had um, the Lucha Libre outfits that had, like, the tassels and stuff? Mm-hmm. They didn't do that this time, which yeah. I thought was kind of... They kind of went back to their traditional outfits uh, on the 21st. But, yeah, mm-hmm. they had a six-man tag on the 20th. Um, they teamed with Toa Hanare to take on Naito, Shingo, and Bushi. And they lost that match. And after they lost that match... Um, Shingo and Bushi jumped them, stole their masks, and it was the big reveal that it was. I know it like, was really showing. The young boys all. were like running in, like covering their faces and stuff. <laughs> it's like, come on, guys. <laughs> so yeah, so that that was pretty interesting. But um, um, and then on the the last night, the twenty first, they had an eight man tag with Naito, Terrible, Bushi, and Shingo against Shoyo, Kojima, and Tohanare. Well, b- well. Before we talk about what happened with that match, I think that we should just briefly discuss all the guys that were in this m- this match together. So, um, there's two other storylines that were kind of in play here. So, Toa Hanare, um, all throughout the tour, was usually on the opposite side of Naito. Yeah, it looks like kind of like you know um, he wanted to smoke like Ishii during certain tours. Well, it looks like this tour he wanted to smoke with Naito, and majority of the time it would be him and Naito paired off. Yeah, I mean, so at, you know he's the one guy who's you know a heavyweight singles who was on the tour and the whole tour he was talking about how he's just dreaming of winning that IC title uh, unfortunately for Toa Hanari he's literally like just a ring like literally just a notch above a young boy the young lion yeah um, and Naito actually brought that up a lot during the backstage comments and he was like you know you've been he's like when you're a young lion and you try really hard you can get over but when you have been here a year and you got a gimmick and, and you're graduated it's not enough man like you gotta <laughs> you gotta win and he's like and probably beating me in a multi-man is like your best bet at like making a name for yourself he's like so if you want to make your name try he's like but you know we'll see what happens but yeah he pretty much just like schooled Tohanar the entire tour um, and then you had the kind of feud of Kojima and El Terrible which El Terrible is a member of Los Ingrenables in Mexico teaming with uh, Rush and so he kind of came on the tour here, and uh, Satoshi Kojima suffered that uh, terrible injury last year. Yeah, torn ACL in that match with Roosh, and um, 
kind of like uh, that last last year's tour, Kojima was kind of once again like feuding with Lij, leading to the big match at Rouge. So they kind of picked up from that this year, and he was feuding with Lij again and building up to the big uh, one-on-one match with uh, Terrible. Yeah, so on the 20th, after several nights of feuding in multi-man matches where I think both guys ended up picking up uh, victories over each other, they ended up in a singles match, which kind of mirrors what had happened the year before with Roosh and Kojima. Um, and Kojima was looking for a measure of revenge, uh, and Terrible ended up defeating him on that night. I didn't think much of that match. I mean, what did you think? I mean, I thought it was a good match. Obviously, it wasn't blow away. Um, you know, I am a Kojima mark, and I... I mean, I thought he looked good. Like, Kojima didn't perform to a point where I was like, oh, my gosh, get get this man out the ring. Um, I, I thought he looked good. Um, but obviously, it wasn't like any, it wasn't like four stars or anything or anything, you know, to write home about. I think that this was the, like, slowest I've seen Kojima looking since his return from injury, personally, on this particular tour. Uh, again, like you said, I wouldn't say, like, get him off my screen or anything, but I'm, I am used to Kojima wrestling at a certain level. And, like, when he was in the tag league... He seemed to be wrestling with like a lot of vigor and like mm-hmm. a lot of fire, and on this tour, for whatever reason, it was like he was he was like half step slower than normally. Is. Did you pick up on that? That's uh, what I felt like. In, in the multi man matches, I thought he he seemed fine. Um, with the match with Terrible, also I think part of it might have to do with just Terrible's style. Like Terrible's, he's a Rudo. Well, he slows things down. Right, he's not your typical high pace, high flying kind of guy, and uh, Terrible kind of slows things down. So that probably didn't help Kojima at all, as far as like what you thought about his performance. Um, but overall, I didn't think like he was slower than usual. Hmm. Uh, well, he did end up uh, tasting defeat against Terrible, which meant he was unable to uh, gain a measure of revenge against Lij for uh, you know the sins of the past. However, he was able to come through uh Mania without any major injuries. Yeah. So that's kind of like a consolation victory. And so on the final night, they kind of built to this big eight-man tag with Rapongi 3K, Satoshi Kojima, Tohanare, which again kind of mixing the Sekigun and Chaos guys together uh, to take on LIJ. And um, this match was okay, and it was starting to like really heat up, and it wound up with Toa Hanare and Naito um, kind of doing the finishing sequence that they'd done many nights on this tour, when suddenly, from out of nowhere, Tai Chi, Hoodie Tai Chi, comes in, he clocks Naito with the icy belt, and you have Kanamaru and Desperado coming in to beat up Bushi and Shingo, and then it was just like a flashback of New Year's Dash 2017, yep. when Suzuki Goon came, or... That was 2019. We're in 2019. Yeah, this a flashback of what just happened, a few, like, the, earlier in the month. Or are you talking about when 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 they came back from um, from Noah? Yeah. Oh yeah, that was two years ago. Yeah. Um, when they came back in from Noah, Suzuki Gun just raiding the ring. Uh, I don't know was expecting them there because obviously Desperado was the only one on this tour as Namagage, but none of those guys were really there. And so out of nowhere, all these Suzuki Gun guys came out. They bum rushed the ring, clear these guys out, and obviously they're building towards. New beginning where Tai Chi is challenging Naito, um, and then um, Kanemaru and uh, Desperado are challenging Shingo and Bushi. Uh, I did think it was funny on the 11th when they had the first night of shows. <laughs> uh, Forestero of uh, D- the Dinamitas, 
he had teamed with Taichi and Kanemaru, and they defeated Flyer, Jushin Liger, and Teton. And so they're in the back, and um, literally Kanemaru and like Taichi are talking to themselves, and they're like, we don't know who this guy is. <laughs> <laughs> like we, li- they're like, they're like, we picked up the victory, he got the win. They're like, we make anybody that teams with us look so much better than they actually are. <laughs> and then they like pass it off to Forestero, and they're like, go ahead. And he's like, hello, New Japan. He's like. I had a great time. I picked up the victory, and they're like, "No, talk more, man." Like, <laughs> but um, they they ended up um, you know, basically here on the twenty first, standing tall over you know Rapongi three K, Kojima, Hanare, and all of Lij. They beat up all these guys, yeah. and then um, Tai Chi was uh, he cut a promo. Yeah, and apparently, I mean, the crowd. They were cheering for Tai Chi. They were not. They were not cheering for Tai Chi. What was happening? It, I thought they were too until I listened to it with the um, the actual like subtitles. Mm-hmm. And he was telling. He was like, "Quiet down, bastards!" And they were freaking out because he was telling oh, them to gotcha. be quiet. I missed that. Okay. And every time that they would get louder. He would be like, bastard, shut up. And they would get louder. <laughs> gotcha. so it was an antagonistic gotcha. thing. Gotcha. I misread that. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people, I saw other people online that were uh, supposing that like he was getting a monster pop. And I was like, no, it was heat. Yeah. He was getting heat because that's why they're doing all the sirens and everything. Gotcha. And he was um, he was uh, disrespecting the belt. He was throwing it yep. around like how Naito used to throw it around. Yep. Um, but he, um, yeah, he did cut a promo and basically... Uh, in the back, he talked about how, you know, he's not the same guy he was a year ago, basically. And he was like saying, actually, it was hilarious because he was like, he was like, we didn't come here to jump Lij. He's like, we actually showed up because uh, we made a mistake. We thought that this was the first night of the new beginning tour. <laughs> he's like, it was such a mistake that I made. And then um, Desperado was like, yes, I was so surprised to get the the phone call to show up here because. I've just been at home for the last five days doing nothing. <laughs> when uh, obviously uh, Desperado is also wrestling on the tour as Namahage, so that's they're they're treating it that they're actually treating that with way more um, canon, like that they're two separate people. Yeah, which is kind of hilarious. But um, you know they all cut promos on Rapongi 3K. Um, they basically. Um, Suzuki Goon, they stole the title belts and they went in the back and they were basically saying like, you know, Rapongi 3K thinks that they should get a shot at the belts because they they picked up a pinfall on this tour, but they were like, but they're the ones who lost our titles for us in the first place when they were just challengers and they're like, dude, no one ever beat us for these belts. They're like, we were champions for this many days, we had this many title defenses, we brought prestige to this thing and what did Rapongi 3K ever do for these titles? What has LIJ ever done for these titles? They're like, literally we're going to kill all of them. So this was kind of their way to get their heat back on them going into New Beginning and then um, Taichi was basically just saying how you know, Naito considers him to be beneath him and he's belittling him and talking down to him and he's like, you shouldn't be talking down to me. He's like, you sparked something in me a year ago and he's like, and I might have been a different person. He's like, but he's like, you haven't faced like me today, basically. Yeah. He's like, I'm a totally different guy. And there might be some truth to that. Dude, uh, honestly, you know, a lot of people are, are hand-waving the idea of Tai Chi being Naito, but I, I think it's a high, very high possibility, not giving my official prediction yet, but it's a very high possibility that Tai Chi can leave the New Beginning Tour with that white strap. Well, we were on um, 
we were on the Outsiders Edge a few weeks ago, or maybe it was last week or the week before. I, I think it's like two weeks now. We had a, a spirited discussion with uh, our fellow colleague uh, Rance Morris. Uh, what up, Rance? AKA Ray Cash. AKA Ray Cash, <laughs> and he is. If nothing else, a bona fide uh, Naito mark. And I mean, like, he was just so... We were discussing this, and, like, he was like, the idea that Taichi could ever... No, man. He's like, no, man. Like, he was literally like, how can they go from him wrestling Chris Jericho in the dome to wrestling Taichi. <laughs> right. And he's and, like, and losing. He's like literally, they're like, literally, they're burying this man almost. Like, like it's such a step down from to even be in the same ring as him. And I was, we were, we were basically discussing it and I was explaining to him. And if you're a longtime listener or if you are a longtime fan of New Japan, you guys kind of do understand that like, while Taichi's not everybody's cup of tea, he's not the most wildly popular guy. He does have his supporters and he has grown on me as a, viewer of the product and I recognize that he is over um, locally in the Japanese market like people like him you know what I mean mm-hmm. and there's a place for him in the company and this is in my opinion good storytelling because it's circular storytelling we're one we've come full circle to the feud that started one year ago when we when we went on this whole year-long odyssey between Suzuki Goon and LIJ it all started with Taichi and Naito. Right, yeah. And so now we're 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 back full circle. And here's my the one thing I will say. I don't know if Naito's gonna drop the belt to Taichi, but if I was booking and I wanted to get Naito ready for the main event, I might have him lose a screw job finish to a guy like Taichi. Yeah. Especially if hypothetically, just throwing it out there, if I wanted to elevate Taichi, but also elevate Naito, what I do is I get the belt off him real quick to a guy that cheats to beat him. He doesn't lose credibility, but then guess what? He doesn't have time to go worrying about uh, a rematch because what's the next tour? After uh, New Beginning? Yep. It's a New Japan Cup? If hypothetically, let's say Naito were to drop the belt, but then the next tour, he's freed up to actually be in the New Japan Cup, because you've got to remember, he's not going to be in the New Japan Cup if he's the IC champion. Right, champions are out, because if you're new to the... Actually, there was a question um, that we got, um, somebody asking you know, how the New Japan Cup works, and so... Um, so if you're new to New Japan, not sure how New Japan Cup works, it's a single elimination tournament. All the champions are out of the tournament, and the winner can choose any of the champions to challenge if he wins. Obviously, most times they ch- they challenge the IWGP champion because why wouldn't you challenge the world champion if you have the choice to? Um, so yeah, if Naito is the IC champion, he can't be in the New Japan Cup and he can't get an IC uh, IWGP Heavyweight Title match. Yeah, that question came from Brian Alemany. Thank you, Brian. Great question. So, yeah, so, I mean, that's exactly what Jeremy said. So, if you are a current reigning champion, you don't have the luxury to be involved in the tournament at all. So, for everyone who wants Naito to be, to have a shot at the, you know, here's the deal. If Naito is still the IC champion come April, he's not headlining MSG. Like, some some diehard Naito fans, they want to see him challenge for the title. He's not going to if he's the IC champion. But... If he loses the belt in short order and then turns around, and I'm not saying he's going to win the New Japan Cup, but let's say he does win the New Japan mm-hmm. Cup, is that a burial or an, evol- or an, or an elevation? Uh, it will be an elevation if he wins the New Japan Cup. 
And that's what I keep trying to explain to people. <laughs> I mean, you, you saw what they did with the New Japan Cup last year with the elevation of Zack Sabre Jr. Yep. So the New Japan Cup is a tool they use to elevate guys. And the only way that Naito will be involved with that entire thing is if he drops this belt ahead of time. So that might influence some of your opinions on what's right. going to happen in the new beginning. Honestly, the, the longer that Naito holds on to the IC title, is his chances of getting an IWGP title picture go down. Yeah, the more sidelined he is. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, everyone who people who want him to have like say a six month reign with it do you think he's gonna go into you know let's say he holds it all the way to dominion you think he's gonna win the iwgp championship while being the ic champion like no you think he's gonna uh win the um g1 as the iwgp ic champion like no he's got to drop that belt and it's like you want to see him lose at msg like (laughs) You know, some of these patterns in New Japan are somewhat predictable. Right. And there are people who are literal, who like Naito fanboys who love LIJ, who are like, hell no, Taichi cannot <laughs> beat this man. They think it's like literally an affront. And I'm like, yeah, but for people that follow the product, even if you don't like Taichi, you can see how, from a business perspective, it kind of makes sense. Yeah. I'm not saying they should do it. They might not do it. They might keep the icy title on him for a while. We have no idea. But. I think for people who are long-term wanting to see him be in the heavyweight title picture, then you should be actively rooting for him to drop the belt. And my only big argument is, like, what is more damaging? Losing in a screwjob manner to somebody who everyone knows is not in his league but wins by nefarious means, or he gets like, literally choked out by Zack Sabre. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's a lot worse, you know, getting uh, submitted by Sabre or getting beaten by somebody else. Um, you know, if you do that that kind of cheap, fluke, flash finish, it's like, we know Taichi's not on his level. He cheated. He took advantage of the rules of the referee and, and stole the belt. And guess what you can do after that? Naito moves on. He goes into the uh, New Japan Cup. And then you've got two willing and able challengers waiting on the um, sidelines here in LIJ. You've got Sonata and Evil. Those are two guys that everyone's like, elevate them, elevate them, elevate them. And it's like, well, how how can they get elevated to that IC level if Naito's there? Right. you got to get Naito out of the way. I mean, it's just booking 101. It makes sense. So it's like, that's what I would do. I would hypothetically have Taichu win by nefarious means, and then maybe he jumps Naito after the bell, and then he, someone comes to his rescue, sort of like what they did with Jericho. Yeah, have Evil or Sonata come out. I would do Sonata. Yeah. Let's push Sonata. Dude, I'm about it. I think that I think it makes a lot of sense to use Taichi as this perennial... Um, <laughs> what, uh, uh, what What's it called when the champion... Transitional champion. Yeah, he's the perennial... Paper champion. He's the transitional <laughs> champion for everybody. He helped get uh, Osprey over. He, he'll, he'll be the guy that just wins a title for a month every single time. Just by to help get, get somebody over. Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, that's what happened there. So that was kind of that's most of the stuff that kind of uh, ties into the um, into the uh, more canon uh, aspects of New Japan. Um, there was there was some other stuff that was going on as well. Obviously, we talked about Terrible. Him and um, Naito tag teamed a bit, and he teamed you know most nights with Lij. What did you think of Terrible and his like presence with Lij? You know, he was all right. He honestly didn't blow me away. Like we mentioned earlier, his style was a little bit slower. He's no Roosh. 
Yeah, he's no Rouge. Um, you know, he's, he's no La Sombra. No La Sombra. No uh, La Mascara. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, he looks cool. He was cool. I mean, he's he's a, a fine little wrestler. I'm sure if I watch more CMLL, I'll probably be more impressed. But here in this tour, he was just fine. Didn't hate him. Didn't love him. How about the fact that he is a former uh, Bullet Club Latino America founder? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little known fact. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's kind of funny. He might be like, is he the only guy that's ever been part of the Bullet Club and Los Ingobernables? I I would think so. Man, he holds that interesting <laughs> position. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, Terrible was on the tour. Um, there was some other, um, you know. So throughout the tour, uh, at, we saw the debut of Atlantis Jr. Right. And um, Atlantis Jr. We've actually seen him wrestle before. We saw him la- wrestle in last year's tour. I believe his his name was uh, T Barone or something like that. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, so this was him debuting, debuting under a new gimmick. Um, he's at the son of Atlantis, um, so he debuted on this tour with the Atlantis Junior gimmick. I knew that he had wrestled prior to this under a different gimmick, but mm-hmm. I didn't know that he, that we'd seen him in um, on Fantastic Mania tour. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was on the tour last year. Hmm. Um, but yeah, he debuted the um, Atlantis Junior um, gimmick here. Uh, and that, obviously that's something they're planning on uh, getting over. Yeah, so, I mean, it was it was very uh, interesting to see him and Atlantis. Uh, they teamed together most nights. Um, they were in the family tag team tournament on the um, 16th, uh, dropping a victory to Quattro and Sanson. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> uh, Atlantis Jr., um, you know, every single night, like I said, he was teaming with Atlantis. Uh, the the on the 18th, um, they dropped a victory to Gran Guerrero and Ultimo Guerrero, and then on the 20th, um, they teamed together with Jushin Thunder Liger, and they took on um, Forestero and Sanson and Okamura, who I guess through most of the nights, Okamura and Atlantis Jr. had had run-ins. Right, that's they've been kind of building the story for the big singles match on the last night. And Atlantis Jr. was the designated pin-eater um, in every single match leading up to the final night. But um, on this show on the 20th, uh, the Dinamitas and Okamura, they attacked Thun- uh, Jushin Thunder Liger. They attacked uh, both Atlantises. And then they ended up stealing Atlantis and Atlantis Jr.'s mask. Yeah, took both the masks off. Um, Which, as we discussed last week, the Atlantis mask is the most revered mask in all of Mexico. Yeah. So, I mean, that was kind of a big deal. And um, they cut a very spirited promo in the back about how they were going to, you know, avenge them. So, at this sort of set up a um, six-man uh, tag team title match on the final night. Uh, where Atlantis teamed up with um, uh, Angel de Oro and Teton to take on the reigning Mexican national trios champions, uh, Nueva Generacion uh, Dinamitas, that's the team of Cuatro, Forestero, and Sanson, who are guys, we've seen um, Cuatro and Sanson, they were in the Brothers Tag Team Tournament last year, Mm -hmm. and then their cousin Forestero, this is his first uh, time on the tour, and all these guys, you know, looked really great together. And then um, that angle also helped to set up the sing- the um, only singles match of the tour for Atlantis Jr. as he took on Okamura. Um, and I thought that they did a good job setting up both of these these matches. 
Yeah, I did. You know, for the Atlantis Jr. Um, kind of thing, I was kind of confused at first. You know, in the opening video, they keep mentioning Atlantis Jr. I'm thinking, oh, they're going to push this guy. He's going to be winning all his matches. They're going to be highlighting him. But like you mentioned, he ended up being the fall guy in the majority of his matches. Um, but it did kind of help him going to that, to that last match because he was the underdog going against Okamura. Okamura is a more uh, seasoned guy, um, more a veteran, um, kind of crafty guy. And so you're thinking, oh, he's probably going to end up losing again to Okamura. Um, but, you know, they had a good little match. He kicked out of Okamura's uh, finish, which is like a, a neckbreaker kind of thing, and was able to uh, beat Okamura. Yeah, that was a big win for him. I think from what from all reports, this is sort of a, a push because um, he is already, with just this um, making his debut in Japan and then being the son of Atlantis, having that gimmick, he'll probably be slated as like a mid-card guy right out the gate as yeah. opposed to being like a... Um, you know, like a like a preliminary opener guy. He's going, he's about on the same levels where Okamura is already with CMLL. Right. And so him picking up a victory over him on this tour is a, kind of a big deal. Um, I mean, what were your um, impressions with him as a performer from what you saw? I mean, I thought he was uh, pretty good. Um, you know, in this in these matches, he's been using um, Atlantis's kind of move set. He's been doing the tilt to world backbreakers, yeah. the the tope suicidas, the um, the diving crossbar from the top, the tejeras. So, I I don't think he has like the greatest physique in the world or anything, but mm. I think that he's a very skilled guy. Um, yeah. I think it helps that in a lot of the matches, like the six mans and stuff, they had him with uh, either larger guys or guys that were a little bit older and slower. So. Uh, in comparison to say like his father or some of the other performers, he looked a lot crisper and yeah. So even if he's not like world class yet, it, it just made him look. Yeah, like I definitely the star think the he has potential to kind of be a, a big star in the future. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we kind of um, ragged on Atlantis <laughs> <laughs> last week, yeah. But I think he he really put in dude, a lot of effort on yeah, the tour. Dude, he he put in a lot more effort than the last few years. Dude, he worked really hard in these tours and like we mentioned I he, think it's because his son was yeah, his son was, with him yeah and even in the, the trio's title match where yeah. he, he wasn't with his son he still worked really hard I mean the cross bodies were still kind of slow oh but, they're still in a way they're like they're like the Terry Funk moonsault version of like uh, like a cross body off the top rope like, yeah. it's like the old man flop like it's yeah. so bad it's so bad it's kind of awesome yeah but hey he's still doing it he's still trying hard and he's he's still going man yeah um, but yeah so I mean um now that we're we're talking about the six man, so Quattrero, Forestero, and Sanson, those these guys were all over the, um, you know, all over the the technicals. You know, well, I was gonna say they were all over the um, the tour basically in different roles. Um, they made it uh, to the finals of the family tag team tournament. Mm -hmm. um, that would be Quattrero and Sanson who did that, and then. Um, you know, on this final night, they defended their six-man tag team uh, Mexican National Trios Championships, where if you're not familiar, um, in CMLL, they have many, many different types of titles. They've got their world titles, and then they've got their NWA Historic World Championships, and then they... The National... Then they have the Mexican National Trios title, or, you know, Mexican National titles. And the Mexican National titles are actually not governed necessarily by CMLL, but they're governed by the uh, Boxing and Wrestling Commission in Mexico, and so they're actually free to be... They're not generally anymore, but they're free to be defended across different 
promotions and they're not tied to any one promotion they have been bought and used in all sorts of different companies uwa triple a you know um all, iwrg all these different companies and they are some of the most revered and um it is rare to actually see them defended outside of mexico and um this team uh nueva generation dinamitas they've been holding the mexican national trios champions for like a few years now yeah and that's pretty common in Mexico because the titles are very secondary, uh, as opposed to like what's really prized is like masks and hair. Right, the the bet matches. Yep, uh, titles. Guys sometimes will hold on to a title for years and defend it a handful of times, <laughs> um, just because there there there's so many of them. They're essentially props. There's very few times where you see uh, a team that has titles and they defend them regularly right and when they do but when they do it has prestige to that belt right it's a big deal yep and so they've actually had quite a few defenses and this was a um pretty cool to see them defending the belt against uh angel de oro atlantis and teton um teton if you're you know familiar with him from his work in ring of honor or his work in new japan he's he's a pretty uh recognizable face and then Angel de Oro, um, was he still under the mask last year? I think he was. I think he lost the mask after that tour. He lost it to Quatrero mm. in, in a bet match. I can't remember if that happened before the tour or after, but um, he's a guy that was really impressive. Dude, I was tour. very impressed with Angel de Oro. You know, honestly, I don't, I don't really remember much of what he did last year, but this I year I do because he had that awesome title match. Oh, that's right. He, yeah, it was a... It was, it was a, a singles match with Quattrero. Okay. Yeah. Or maybe it was Sansan. It was one or the other. Gotcha. But yeah, I mean, I had to think about that. But like, this tour, like, I was really impressed with Angel de Oro. This match, and there was a couple other uh, six-man matches that he was in. He was just all over the place. Yeah. And doing some great um, dives and flips and very charismatic um, without the mask. I think he works, you know, still works very well. Good looking guy. Yeah. Yeah, they kept pointing that out. All the, yeah, girl, late, all yeah. the girls were wooing. Uh, he needs to hit up our good friend Juice Robinson. <laughs> and uh, hit up the town. The late night cardio, you yeah. know what I'm saying? But, um, yeah, this match was pretty decent, uh, but uh, the Dinamitas ended up picking up the, the win, defending their titles here. Um, Teton... What did you think of Teton? Because I felt very mixed on Teton on this tour. Yeah, I feel like there were some nights where like he was on and like was what's like the, yeah. nor- the normal Teton that we remember, and then other nights he was just kind of there. Yep. One thing that I did notice when he's cutting promos in the back, like a lot of the luchadors, because it's Mexico and they're they were like cutting the promos like they were just doing interviews, like in real life, and they would just be like. Like, whether they were a Technico or Rudo, they'd just be like, hello, thank you for, you know, thank you for having us. We love Japan, blah, blah, blah. But, like, uh, um, Teton was one of the few guys who was, like, in character. But, like, he was cutting promos like he was a heel, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but he's a baby. But he's, but he's saying babyface stuff, and he's like, "We're gonna get you, God!" Like, <laughs> just like freaking out. Like, no other bro, no other Technico on the entire tour was freak. He freaks out in every promo. Like, he has no like levels. He's just like, uh, like he's like the um, <laughs> Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> no, you know he kind of reminds me of. He's like a Mexican like uh, Technico version of like Ahmed Johnson. <laughs> Just like saying, uh, just saying stuff. Yeah, 
And uh, for those who don't know, uh, a Technico in Mexico, that's what they call the baby faces and the rudos or the heels, the bad guys. So if you hear us say Technico and rudo, you know what's hilarious is like you being like, if you guys don't know, the Technico is the baby face. And it's like, what if they don't know what a baby face is? You're like using insider terminology to explain so insider terminology. <laughs> well, if you don't know what Bayface is, that's a good guy. And if you don't know what heel is, that's a he's, bad guy. He's a white hat. In <laughs> case you don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, oh so that's God. real interesting stuff. So, um, a couple other things that were going on here. So, um, we had the uh, the CMLL, the Family Tag Team Tournament that we've been kind of mentioning. I enjoyed the Family Tag Team Tournament. Yeah. So you know, we mentioned you had Quattro and. Sanson, you had Atlantis and Atlantis Jr., you had uh, Dragon Lee and Mystico, uh, those guys are brothers, you had Boldor Jr. and Flyer, Boldor is Flyer's uncle, um, and then you had... Um, Quattro and Sanson. Yeah. Yep, and so um, we got that family tournament over a series of several nights. Uh, it started on the 16th. Quattro and Sanson defeated Atlantis and Atlantis Jr., which was a fun little match. Um, I liked the finish where Atlantis Jr. kind of got caught in this thing off the top rope. It was sort of like a... Uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It was sort of like a torture rack, and then he got spun out and dropped. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Dragon Lee and Mystico, who were in the finals of the family tournament or of the brothers tag team tournament from the year prior, they lost to the Guerreros in the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, here in the family tournament, they took on Flyer and Volador Jr. Which um, this match on the 16th was probably the what the match of the night. Yeah. The Dragon Lee and Mystico match against La Familia Real. Yeah, and that was uh, that was really good. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, I mean, you got four great guys in here: Dragon Lee, Mystico, uh, Bulldor Jr., and Flyer. I mean, all four of these guys are amazing high flyers. Very interesting too to see uh, Flyer and Volador sort of pick up the heel. Yeah, sort of yeah, yeah. That match. Yeah, it's kind of it's weird seeing uh, Bulldor kind of do some heel stuff. You know, I was doing some research as we were watching these shows, and it's hard to find accurate information about CMLL and Lucha in general, but it. Here's that Volador has been like kind of towing the line on Heeldom after the stuff with him teaming with Matt Taven, and he's had like previous teams with like Los Ingobernables and like Roosh has come out in the past and said he has everything that it takes to be ingovernable. Mm. So he's, he's he's kind of flirting with the, the and you can kind of tell with his changed look and his changed right. attire. So mm-hmm. I think he sort of like toes the line between he's definitely a technico uh, and there's another guy that he ended up facing later in the tour that's sort of in the same place so yeah. we'll talk about that but um, Dragon Lee and Mystico ended up picking up the win here um, of all the matches on the first night or on, of the 16th I would definitely uh, recommend that Dragon Lee Mystico match against yeah. La Familia Real in fact almost every Dragon Lee and Mystico match is worth checking mm-hmm. out on the tour um, they might be the MVPs of the tour honestly yeah um, they that was great, and then um, the tournament finals was on the 18th. Dragon Lee and Mystico taking on Quattro and Sanson. This was a rematch of um, the semifinal that they had had during the brothers tournament last year. One thing I like is that Sanson and Quattro sometimes will pull out like their special attire for like these big With the shows. matching gear. Yeah, they had the matching gear on this night. Remember last year they had the old school matching gear where they came out in tights instead of, or the trunks instead of tights? Yeah. I thought that was cool. And they, yeah. and they had the same masks. Like instead of having their regular mask, they just had the old school like just a white mask with like black eye holes and a black mouth, which was mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. So they did something similar to that here. but um, And this match, I thought that this was 
maybe the, one of the top two tag matches on the whole tour. Yeah, man, this match, yeah, this match was great, and you just have these guys doing all kind of crazy cool dives. You got um, Sanson Quattrero getting the heat on uh, Mystico and Dragon Lee, and it's told a great story with these guys. Yeah, I love this match. Yeah, I thought it was great. Dragon Lee and Mystico ended up picking up the uh, the victory, winning the family tournament um, on the 18th. This set up a storyline where Grand Guerrero and Ultimo Guerrero, who had won the Brothers Tournament last year, were angry for being left out of the family tournament because they were like, we're family and we're the you know, previous champions. Yeah. So they basically on the 20th had a, the family tag team tournament winners from 2018 taking on the winners from 2019. And it was a rematch of the finals from the year prior. This was the main event, Dragon Lee and Mystico taking on Grand Guerrero and Ultimo Guerrero, which they, they had uh, the match of the tournament prob- or the match of the tour probably last year uh, in, during their, um, the brother tournament. Yeah, that match was incredible. Mm-hmm. I thought this was a slight notch below that. Um, I think that this this match was actually fairly short and had a slightly slower pace, but it was it, the spots were incredible. Yeah, dude, they had so many innovative and cre- uh, creative spots. Just the crazy dives that all four of these guys were doing. I mean, even like guys the size of Ultimo Guerrero and Grand Guerrero were doing some very impressive stuff. And then, you know, you had some um, strong style exchanges with um, Dragon Lee and Ultimo Guerrero. Uh, so, yeah, man, this was just another... Um, this is definitely one of the recommended matches of the whole tour. If you're if you're cherry picking this thing, I would definitely recommend uh, watching this one. Dragon Lee and Mystico against Ultimo and Gran Guerrero. So before we talk about the last couple um, big matches, there's a couple guys I just want to shout out, um, and we could just talk about very briefly. So some of the guys that weren't necessarily involved in any major storylines, but they were here on the tour. Awadaz. Yeah, I, I was impressed with him a lot. I was impressed with Awadaz. Uh, Templario, he's another young guy who this was his, uh, I think for both of them, this was their first uh, Fantastic Mania tours. Templario is a, is a Rudo. Uh, he is in the um, Guerrero stable with Ultimo Guerrero and Grand Guerrero. And I thought that he was um, impressive on this tour. Um, who else? Well, uh, I think it's worth mentioning that um, throughout the tour, um, Desperado was wrestling under his old gimmick, uh, Namagage. Namahage. And Namahage, the interesting thing is he lost his mask in Mexico years ago. So, again, they're not keeping the canon because mm-hmm. he's not really supposed to be wearing <laughs> the mask. Um, it was funny, a lot of the backstage promos where some of the wrestlers, like Okamura was like, I don't know if this is the same Namahage. <laughs> and Namahage was like, I, I've been in semi-retirement for years. Right, even on commentary, we got a few nights of English commentary. They were talking about how Namahage has been, he came out of retirement to come on this tour. Speaking of the English commentary, so we had uh, Mavs Gillis both nights, uh, the 20th and the 21st. On the 20th, we got Chris Charlton. Right. Uh, who was the guy we got on the 21st? Um, I, I missed his name. I know it was like an English gentleman. I'm not sure who he was or Man, where he came from. I was counting on you to yeah. know that. Sorry. <laughs> I was trying to look that up earlier today, too. And I was I, trying to figure out who it was. I couldn't figure it out. Yeah. Um, uh, a lot of people like blowing him up, though, and saying like that he did a fantastic job. I didn't necessarily think that it was... I wasn't I wasn't left with any sort of impression. I didn't think he did a bad job or a good job, but I see a lot of people that liked Yeah, yeah, I saw a lot of people gassing him up 
on Reddit. Um, but I mean, I, me, I thought Chris Charlton was better the night before. Oh, personally, yeah, definitely, yeah. Chris, yeah, Chris killed it. Um, and I thought this, uh, you know, this young uh, English gentleman, um, he was fine. I, I mean, obviously, I've heard worse. Uh, he was no uh, I think what, Lenny Poffo. <laughs> yeah, I, it wasn't a detriment. I think what a lot of the um, fans liked was that he was very knowledgeable on the product, and so there were times where he was able to help correct Mavs Gillis when he was making maybe mistakes, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I also think, and don't I hope nobody takes it the wrong way, but I think like we as Western audience, when we hear someone with like just an English like accent, we're like, oh man, they sound. So professional because you gotta admit someone who, who has like that English accent like I listen to like um, you know Ricky and Clive every week and I'm like man these guys are great <laughs> <laughs> and I know they don't have an English accent they're Scottish but like still any, anybody who has like that European like eat like accent like to me is gonna is has more credibility. They might not have any extra credibility, but because of the accent, they have more credibility. <laughs> so I feel like that might be part of it. But um, I think we got to figure out who that was and see if he's going to be uh, a reoccurring figure here in New Japan. Yeah. Um, but what did you think of the English commentary for both the shows? I mean, did you prefer that over the Japanese on this tour? Uh, uh, yes, I did. You know, I've, I've been spoiled now since pretty much every show now has English commentary. Um, you know, I, I was missing that the first Isn't couple. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Remember, like, when we started the show, we weren't even sure. We were like, that used to be part of the news. Remember, like, part of the news was like, <laughs> New Beginning's going to have eight, four <laughs> nights of English. <laughs> Breaking news, ladies and gentlemen. There's going to be English commentary on this tour. <laughs> like, Savor we're, it. We're like, this is crazy. <laughs> this is wild. And then they did English every night of the G1, and we stopped talking about it, because now it's, like, literally... Almost, now it's almost expected. Like, yeah. when I saw no English commentary, I was like... <laughs> <laughs> like... What what the heck, Kevin Kelly? What, what, what are you doing? What, what's going on here? Yeah, like where, where's Mark Orzesco or you know, Matt, what's going on here? And I'm I'm doing this like 1980s rewatching project, and it's all in Japanese. So like I'm like, man, time times are different. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, you know, like I've said in the past, I don't mind Japanese commentary. That's all I have. But you know, the English commentary helps you pick up on some stuff that you uh, might miss if uh, if you don't you know understand Japanese. Um, so I like that we did have English commentary. I do wish, you know, it was Kevin Kelly. Uh, but we got Chris Charlton, who, you know, he's, you know, the big history book guy, uh, wrestling. And so, oh, he was doing his homework. He was watching all those uh, backstage segments like, like yours truly. So yeah. you could tell because he, he was bringing it up a lot during the, uh, the broadcast. You know, and math is not bad, so. Yeah, I mean, I don't – I've always said this. I'm not one who's super critical about uh, – Brought, or what, what? what's it called? Commentary. Commentary, because you have to be real egregiously bad for me to notice. And if you're, like, really, really good, I also won't notice. Like, <laughs> I won't think that you're, like, unless you're really, 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 really good, I'm not going to really notice a difference. Like, I'm not a big commentary guy. Like, if it's there and they're talking and it's, it's, it's fine, you mm-hmm. know. I'm someone who, like, I don't have a problem with Matt Striker. If if you see what I'm saying, like, you're right. Like I don't like that doesn't bother me. The only thing that bothers me is like when I watch WWE and they just keep repeating the same crap over and over and over and over and over and over again. Like yeah. that's when like, but most companies, I mean, the commentary's gotta be bad for me to like 
say anything. And I mean, the only thing that I can't even remember in the past years that was like egregiously bad was Lanny Poffo for this. Company. Oh my gosh, yeah. So, <laughs> but um, the last four guys we're gonna talk about, and they were all over the tour, but they probably had what I would consider the two best matches of the tour. So on the um, 18th in the semi-main event, we got a match that we'd mentioned last week, which for me was the match I was looking most forward to, um, a singles match between Soberano Jr. and Barbaro Carbonario. Yeah, man, dude, that match was, yeah, one of the best matches that night. Um, I would go, you know, definitely four stars. Yeah. Uh, These guys just gelled together greatly. And, you know... um, Barbaro, he's one of those Rudos that still wrestles with the the high pace and high flying style, and he's one of those guys that doesn't care about his body. He's out there doing these crazy dives and like diving, doing a big splash from the inside the ring to the outside on the floor. Yeah. Um, doing um, a reverse tombstone like flip pile driver thing. Like, he was doing all kind of, like, innovative and crazy stuff in this match. So, Carbonario wasn't necessarily involved in any major storylines. I don't even... I didn't really even see much of a build to the Soberano match in general. Mm -hmm. Um, He just kind of was in multi-man matches, but he seemed to be a highlighted guy every night. His act is very over New Japan, and from what I understand, even though he, like, was in, like, the... uh, the recent um, tournament finals that they had against Phoenix, and he challenges for belts... From what I've read, they actually portray him as a more overstar and a bigger deal in Japan than he regularly gets featured as in, say, CMLL in Mexico. So mm-hmm. he's very over in, in Japan. But he didn't have, like, a huge role. He did a lot of multi-man matches, but this was his um, singles match, which I think we've gotten used to having a, a Barbaro Carbonario singles match on, mm-hmm. on the, uh, you know, Fantastic Mania tours. And uh, I thought Soberano Jr. was a great guy to yeah. have him go against. Yeah, you know, um, Soberano is a guy that got a lot of criticism during the Super Junior Tag League. A lot of people were not impressed by his performance here. But during this tour, and specifically in this match, I thought Soberano looked great. And I think it was definitely one of those situations where he's um, just more comfortable wrestling against another luchador and wrestling that, that lucha style. And he was phenomenal in this match, um, doing all his his dives and the Fosbury flops and all the stuff that he was doing. You know, I think, and I said this at the time, I I don't even know if necessarily he was that bad on that um, that junior tag tournament. Like, yeah, he had some botches. Like, he he was having issues with like the ring ropes and landing some of his moves. And maybe there might have been some confusion between Western uh, working like the. Uh, Working the left versus the, the right left side. versus the right, that sort of thing. But I was always still impressed with him. I see a lot of talent in him. But I, re- I, And if you remember when we were doing those shows, I was like, dude, this guy is great. I've seen him be great. I've seen him in CMLL be great. I saw him during Fantastic Mania last year. I remember he was like one of the most impressive guys to me last year being a young guy. And I was like, dude, to me, he's more impressive and I got some flack for this, but I was saying at the time he was more impressive and interesting to me than Robbie Eagles was. Yeah. On that tour, and everyone's like, "Sobrano's the worst guy," and I'm like, "No, he's not." <laughs> um, and I could be, I could still be corrected on the jury's not out on Robbie Eagles. I'm not down on him, but I just didn't like. My whole thing was this. I wasn't impressed with Robbie Eagles. Everyone gasses him up, and but no one was like putting him under the bus. 
during the Junior Tag League, when in reality, the only guy that was having blow-away performances was Shingo. Right, yeah. <laughs> no one was getting over. Volador didn't look good. On the, <laughs> it's Volador Jr., yeah. and he did not look impressive. Volador, he was, just a, he was a jag pretty much in the Junior Tag Tournament. That's what I'm saying, and so was Soberano. And, and you know what, why else? Because they were there to eat pinfalls. Right. Specifically, Soberano was there. Imagine a guy doesn't get over. He gets beat almost every night of the tour. You think he's going to get over? Of course not. Yeah. But on on this tour, Soberano looked every bit like the shining prospect that he is. And this match with Barbaro Carbonario was awesome. Yes, I love uh, this freaking match. It's the one match that I would say, like, maybe give it a rewatch. Now, um, I always feel kind of funny rating Lucha because I don't watch enough of it and I feel like I don't have a good enough gauge on it. But I feel like... I would probably go about four, just like you. Mm-hmm. But to me, a four-star lucha match, in some ways, is more dynamic than some like four and a half-star matches that are like your traditional Western style. Like, because especially on a tour like this, where we're seeing all these flips and all these dives and everything crazy, you get like a really good four, like solid four-star match that has like elements of storytelling and drama and all that. This match was awesome. And maybe we're wrong. It could be better than that. I, I mean, I'd be interested to see like what someone like Cubs fan thought about the match. Or yeah. It. Like, because someone who's more familiar. Because again, we'll, we'll admit we're not like the most uh, knowledgeable lucha. People. Right. We're not, we're not watching you know Arena, Arena Mexico, Mexico every Friday night or anything. We yeah. we, we catch some stuff from here or there, but we're, yeah, I don't we're, watch Liga Elite or <laughs> you know I've I've never I'm not watching AAA even yeah. though I heard AAA just got a new uh, streaming deal or something like that. It's funny like growing up as a kid, anytime I'd flip through to the Spanish channel and AAA was on, I would I would watch it. Uh, but yeah, it's not something that I would too. But I was always confused. Yeah, like they're talking, <laughs> <laughs> like the ring is six. It's a four impact. I'm like the ring is six-sided, like, yeah. got all these horns going on, like... Why is there so many clowns <laughs> and midgets? I don't understand. Yeah. I remember one time I turned it on and they were wrestling in that uh, that dome cage that TNA ended up adopting, mm. and I was like, what is this? This cage is weird, man. <laughs> but, um, yeah, this match was really, really, really good. Uh, Carvernario ended up picking up the win. Uh, he's my favorite luchador, and I mean, he is my favorite luchador. Mm-hmm. I'm telling when I say he's my favorite, I'm saying I like him better than Phoenix. I like him better than Pentagon. He's my favorite guy. Um, I'm not watching Arena Mexico every week, but like I don't know, I, I don't know why I like Barbaro Carbonario. Yeah, because I do. I remember last year you were like gassing this man up. You were like, bro, this guy's my favorite. I he's love my him. Favorite. I love. Like, him. You gotta watch this guy and like, dude, I'm very impressed with him. He's, he's like he's like a mix between. Like he's like if Bruiser Brody like <laughs> had like a Hispanic like son and you threw in a little bit of like I don't know like the head shrinkers or something in there with him like like some some Samoan or something I don't know but like yeah the caveman gimmick I I'm, I dig it like I'm yeah, all over it, it it's very cool and you know he's one of these guys where I'm like dude I if I'm an indie promoter. I'm trying to find a way to get him on my U.S. show. I think he has that star power for that. I do, too, but I wonder if he would get over because of how, like, Lucha the gimmick is. Right. I don't know. But I think if you book him in some some kind of more loose promotions, like a Chikara or a PWG. I he could be in PWG. Where you have some of these kind of, like, off kind of weird gimmicks sometimes. Yeah. Um, I definitely think he would get over. And then if he gets over in PWG, then he's going to get over everywhere. GCW? Yeah, GCW. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Bring him to Tampa Bay Pro. Dak. <laughs> <laughs> 
Every week I mention Tampa Bay Pro, like, in case you guys don't know, like, me and Jeremy, we live in Tampa, and, like, our local indie is Tampa Bay Pro, and when we say indie, it's, like, not even really an indie, it's, like, it's a training school where the majority of the people that are on the shows are from the training school, so it's, like, it's a really good promotion, but, I mean, it's small, and, yeah, I love mentioning, like, guys coming to Tampa Bay Pro, it'd be, like, the best, yeah. They did well, have, hey, Dax did say he's gonna be, you know, trying to spice some shows up. We talked to Dax a couple weeks ago. Yeah, they did ago. have Shane Strickland a few weeks ago. Yeah, they ago. Had, had Swerve, and he said he's gonna try to spice some things up. So maybe we we'll talk to Dax, and we'll get Barbaro Cavanario <laughs> uh, at the big top against Troy Hollywood. We'll have him come on the show. We'll, <laughs> we'll have a translator. That'd be great. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the match oh to catch. Uh, definitely check that out. And if you if you're not familiar with Cavanario, check him out. So Barano. Very, very, very impressive. He's got what I think might be the best torneo dive in all oh. of wrestling. Like yeah. that's the thing that stands out the most to me. Like his his I don't even know how many rotations he gets on it, but it's amazing. I, I love his um, his Fosbury flop also. Yeah, he's that's really good. And then um, you know the last match, the top two guys we're gonna talk about. They are the top two guys. Uh, in CMLL that were on this tour, the two biggest stars, closing out the entire tour on the final night, Volador Jr. and Caristico. Uh, yeah, and um, for those of you who don't know, Caristico, he was actually the original Sin Cara in uh, WWE that was uh, released a couple years ago. And so he, his original ring name was Mystico in Mexico, uh, he went went to WWE, became Sin Cara. Do you know how convoluted that whole thing is? Yeah. <laughs> so like, when he was wrestling in um, in Mexico, he wrestled as Mystico. Right. And then he went to WWE. No, no, no. Listen. So then there was another indie wrestler who also wrestled under the name Mystico. They both end up in WWE. He ends up becoming Sin Cara. And then remember they had Sin Cara Black. Mm-hmm. Which was uh, Hunico. Hunico. When Hunico was in Mexico, he used to wrestle also as Mystico. He was the other Mystico. So, so you had two Mysticos. They both go to WWE. Then you have two Sincaras. Then Caristico gets fired or quits or whatever. They let him go, right? Yeah, they released him and they kept Hunico as Sincara. As the new Sincara. Right. So then while he was gone, they appointed a new Mystico, which is... Um, the current, Mystico, the current Mystico, which is um, which is also the first Dragon Lee. So, <laughs> so and they're and the new Dragon Lee, they're brothers. So, Mystico two, who is the older brother of Dragon Lee, he was Dragon Lee one. He uh, he abandoned the the Dragon Lee gimmick, became Mystico two. Then his younger brother became Dragon Lee two. They were both Dragon Lee, which is freaking <laughs> So he becomes Mystico 2. Uh, Caristico goes to AAA instead of coming back to CMLL, and he becomes Mistezes. And then he decides to leave. He quits. They come up with a new Mistezes. So there's a Mistezes <laughs> in AAA. Yeah. And then he came here, and he became Caristico. Yeah. And so all at the same time, you have Sin Cara, Mistezes, Caristico and Mystico. You yeah. got like four guys that are all basically dressed the same, wrestling <laughs> companies, all yeah, the same. Yeah, that's the Lucha Man. It, it's a mass gimmick. They'll just find somebody else that's the same body size and that can fly, and 
you know, you're replaced. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so yeah, Caristico, formerly, you know, Sin Cara and WWE, and kind of the story with Caristico on his tour. Um, he he's normally a uh, a technico, um, but during this tour, he was kind of teaming with some of the Rudos and kind of having some Rudo te- uh, tendencies. Well, I was doing some research on this too, and again, it's hard to. Well, I do know a few years ago he'd gone full Rudo. When he was when in AAA. In AAA, when he was in his feud with uh, Rey Mysterio. And then right when that was picking up steam was when he left and went back to CMLL. Um, him and Volador actually have a very storied past. They had feuded back in 2010 when he was Mystico. And then when he came back to, C- to CMLL in 2017... They had a, a series of big matches, so they've they've had many. Ma- I did hear them say that uh, you know Volador picked up his third pinfall victory over Cristico in a singles match. That's not true. I, I looked on Cage Match, and he's they both beat each other many times mm. in singles matches. It's match. one of those Osprey girls deals, sort of. But the the thing is. Both guys have towed the lines of going into heeldom when they've faced each other, pulling each other's masks off. Uh, right, there was a using six, the, the six-man tag. Um, Voldor pulled off uh, Caristico's mask. Yes, he did, and yeah. that's not the first time. So there's there, like, it's been a very heated feud, and part of it comes down to Caristico when he was Mystico back in the mid 2000s, 2006, 2007. He was the biggest drawing star in the entire world. We're, we're talking the whole world. Bigger than John Cena, bigger than anybody in Japan. Uh, he won the Wrestler of the Year in Observer that year. So, I mean, he was a big, big, big star. That's why it was a big deal when he came to WWE. And when he left, Volador was the man who they chose to replace him. So he was like the new ace. So at this point, these are like two of the biggest stars still in CMLL. And so them kind of having the history and then also being the little stars that they are this was a great close out the tour and delivered here they really delivered yeah and you know part of that whole you know backstory kind of play on this match they were trying to one-up each other like you would you would have um Crisco do a tope con hero and then uh Bordor do one you would have um Crisco do a suicide dive then Bordor they were like going back and forth trying to one-up each other to 